you'll find your way back to your seat. We're going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. If you have it on your phone, say amen. I'm sure they have it. Well, they'll have it here behind me in just a moment. It says, afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Psalms 42 and 7, Psalms 42 and 7 says, Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, I thank you for what you have accomplished so far today. But Lord, I know you're not done. Lord, I pray that you will bless your word. God, I pray that you will fill my mouth, Lord. And I pray that it will find fertile soil to be planted in. That way it might grow and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, God bless you. You may be seated. God is calling each and every one of us into a deeper place in our walk with him. God has been reaching for some time. Those of us that have been able to hear the call and those that have heard the call of the Lord know that what he is accomplishing and what he is doing is he is reaching for those who have been marked by him. And I'm here to tell somebody today that you're not here by accident. I'm here to tell somebody today that you might wake up on most Sunday mornings and say, I am going to go to church today because it's what I always do. But I'm here to tell you that God is here because that's what he will always 
do. The Bible says he will never lead us, nor will he forsake us. The Bible says that the, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich. And I know that many times in our walk and, and many times in what we, what we desire to do in the deep things of God, we don't realize the cost. We notice in as we were as I was reading in, in, in Ezekiel, it was it was talking about the waters that ran. The waters do run, but the waters run from the altar. We want the water to run, but a lot of times we have a very short sighted version of what the altar should entail. That is why in the tabernacle, everything could fit inside the altar. Inside the tabernacle, the altar was the biggest piece of furniture. And that's because the bigger the altar is, the bigger the sacrifice that it's going to take to fill that altar. And if we want the blessings of God, we have to realize that it's going to take a sacrifice that is going to fill that altar in order to find and to get to the deep things of God. So many times we, we, we take what we have and, and we, we, we're apt to give God our leftovers instead of our first fruits. We are so willing to just give him what we have left instead of waking up first thing in the morning and going and approaching the throne of God. We are so apt to just give him, well, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend my hour in church today and check my box. And then when I get home, I have to hurry up because I've got a roast in the oven and I don't want my potatoes to burn. Amen or oh me. Now, I, that would never happen in this fine church in Omaha. I give honor to Bishop, Sister Powell. Wonderful, wonderful leadership you all have here. These are people who, who know the value of the altar. Have sacrificed. And that's why God has gave blessings. Upon blessing. So grateful to be here and thank you for all the hospitality shown to me and my wife. We love you, Bishop Powell. Has anybody heard of a town called Rodney, Mississippi? I don't blame you. Rodney, Mississippi, it was once known as a place called Petite Gulf. It's French, apparently. I just don't ask me to speak French. Until 1814, it was once a prominent river town. It was so important, it almost became the capital of Mississippi. It was once known for its commerce and its rich land. It was a popular crossing for Native Americans and also known as the El Camino, Camino Real or the Royal Road when Spanish had control of it in the late 1700s. In 1828, the town was incorporated with about 20 buildings leading from the river to the bluffs behind the town. And it was in 1830 when the river traffic was increasing, the town had grown to a bustling over 200 plus numerous people in the outskirts of town. Rodney, Mississippi, it boasted of some 20 stores, a church, a newspaper, and Mississippi's very first opera house. 
1830, Oakland College was established, and the Presbyterians began building a church. The first sermon that was ever preached was by the founder of Oakland College. Now it's known as Alcorn University. You might have heard of that. And it was Dr. Jeremiah Chamberlain that preached that message. The church bell was said to be cast from the members of the congregation, donating over a thousand silver dollars. Before long, the city was known for its county fairs, a jockey club, a lecture hall, thespian groups, and quality schools. The Southern, or Rodney Telegraph, was the newspaper founded in 1834. General Zachary Taylor saw the land was good for cotton, sold all he had to acquire a 1,900-acre plantation. In 1846, he went to fight the Mexican-American War, and when he returned home, he was a hero, and he was elected as the 12th president of the United States. In 1843, the yellow fever epidemic swept through Rodney, but by the 1850s, the town grew to over 4,000 people. Rodney was the busiest port between St. Louis and New Orleans. In fact, Rodney missed out by only three votes from being the capital of Mississippi. By 1863, the Civil War came, and at the fall of Vicksburg, the Confederacy was cut in two. In 1869, a fire broke out and consumed almost the whole town. But all that the town had endured was nothing compared to what it faced next. In 1870, a sandbar developed in the Mississippi River, causing the waterway to change its course and be diverted two miles away from where the town is located. With many of the buildings destroyed from the year before and the river commerce now gone, many residents too began to leave. With no more port and devastated by fire, the town died. It was too late once the river left. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. If the river ever leaves, if the glory ever departs, life is over as we know it. Life will end if we ever lose the river. Paul said it like this. There's a great door and effectual that is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. We need to realize that there are adversaries that are trying to come and divert us from the very source of life. We need to realize that, that the enemy of our soul is trying to do everything that he can to divert that river that flows from Calvary from covering us and bringing us to a place of revival, bringing us to a place of life, bringing us to a place of completion in Christ. I have not yet already attained, but I forget the things that are behind. We have to realize that what God has for us is not behind us. That's why we press toward the mark. We have to go to the river. We have to allow it to wash over us. The threshold. The threshold of the door from where the river flowed. It's the place or the point of entering or the beginning. We come to the threshold of the door so many times and we see it as the end. But no, the river it's the beginning. 
It's the beginning of life. What happens at the sh- on the shores of the river? You see life. You see vegetation. You see greenery. You see shrubs. You see animals that come to the river. Why? Because there's life in the river. They come to drink of the water. That's why Jesus said, let who is ever thirsty come to the waters and let him drink freely. Because Jesus is that river of life. I'm reminded of a story in a place where they assumed and thought the glory of the Lord had disappeared. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, it talks about how Eli had sent his, his boys with the armies of Israel to go fight the Philistines. He sent his, his son Phineas and Hophni, and he said, you need to go and you need to bear the ark. Eli was a man who was a priest of the nation. He was a man who had fallen out of favor with God. But he was a man who still tried to do what he could to preserve the people of God. I don't know who this is for, but there is somebody that is trying to do the work of a priest. And you are ill-fitted and ill-equipped because you are not following the law of the Lord. One thing that I know is as he sent these boys, as he sent these boys into battle, he was 90, 98 years old, it says. And he was sitting at the city gate when the news came. Israel had been destroyed. 30,000 people had been killed. The ark of God was captured. Phineas' wife was in labor. She was very upset with what happened. Her father-in-law fell over dead at the gate when he heard that the ark had been captured. So what did she do? She named the child that she had, Ichabod, because the glory has departed. But I got a question. What if, what if it wasn't the glory that she was worried about? You know, we can live in God's blessing and not live with God's favor. We can live with God's blessing and not have his glory surround us. Keep in mind that it said that Phineas and Hophni, they were sons of Bilal. They followed idols. They stole the offerings of God. They gave God their leftovers and assumed that it would be okay because of who their daddy was. They, they wanted to ride into, into eternity on the coattails of mommy and daddy. So often, so often we, we read that story and we think of Ichabod, the glories departed. But, you know, if we continue into the very first verse of the next chapter, it says that the Philistines took the ark of God, and they brought it into the house of Dagon. And, you know, your idols can never stand before the holiness of God. 
Our idols can never stand. And you know what? Our idols will inevitably begin to bow down at the power of God. But, you know, here's the sad part. We take those idols and set them back up in their place, disregarding the work that God has done in us and through us. The glory hadn't departed. The glory hadn't departed. We're going to pick this up back again in a second. But keep in mind, this isn't the first time that God sought occasion against the Philistines and against the armies of God. There is another time a little bit earlier in Judges where, where there was this guy who was checking out this girl that he had no business checking out. And his parents who, who had vowed to God that he would be a that, that he would be a Nazarite for his whole life. And, you know, it, said that, it says if you read the story of Samson, it said his parents knew not that the Lord sought occasion against the Philistines. So we're going to fast forward to Samuel when all these, when the ark disappeared and the Philistines took it. What we don't realize is that most of the time when we think the glory's departed, God's going somewhere to afflict our enemies. Because what happened when that ark was there in Ashkelon? Tumors. Destruction. We got to get Jehovah out of here. Why? Because nothing can stand before our God. Because he's the river that gives life. That's why everything that's already dead can't even stand before him. We need to realize that God is always looking for something. So that's what happens if the river ever leaves. But there's a place from where the river flows. It says in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, Know this, in the last days perilous times shall come. We're living in those days today. We're living in those days today, but there is still a river that is flowing. I'm here to tell somebody today God's not in trouble. Two people, I'm glad you agreed with me. God is not in trouble. God is here, and he's here to minister to our needs. In Genesis chapter 2, I, I loved what, I loved what, what the brother taught this morning. I mean, it was just, it's not about me. It's about him. If we can ever set our sight on him and get out of the, that'll allow God to move in and do what he has to do, which is exactly the point he was making with Peter and with tearing off the root. Sometimes we got to tear some stuff up to get to God. Sometimes we have to tear down our idols to get to God. Sometimes we have to tear down our wants. But God will never have a sacrifice the necessary for a want. There was a river that went out of Eden. God created the garden, right? I love doing this. God didn't create the garden. He planted the garden. There's two things God put his hands on, man and the habitation for men. God wanted 
such a relationship with us, he said, what, what, what is it that we, what, what do we leave our family? We leave an inheritance. So what did God do? He gave man an inheritance. He built the garden for man. He built the garden for us. And then he turned around and he put man in the garden. And in the garden, there was four things that came from that garden. Out of a river. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pisan. That is, it which compasseth the whole land of Havlia where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and there is bedellum and onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gahan. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. That is, it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. I know this is a little bit more Bible study type. But Eden, it means delights or pleasure. So God created a delightful and a pleasurable place for man to abide. And he gave us the river Pazan, which means increase. And he gave us the river Gihon, which means bursting forth. He gave us the river Hadekel, which means rapid. And he gave us the river Euphrates, which means fruitful. Somebody needs to realize today that God delights in his people. He longs to give us an increase. And it will come bursting forth out of what he gives us. It is going to be a quick work because life is short. And we will be fruitful. And in the fruit is where the seed is. In the seed is where the life is. And when that seed dies and goes in the ground, and that river flows over the riverbanks, there is a, a circle of life that God wants to instill in his church. There's a river of life that God wants to put in his people. Jesus cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his shall come on, man. I love it. I walked into Bishop's office yesterday. And y'all, this, this is how cool you, I mean, y'all. You guys are awesome. So I walk in there, and, and you know what? I love it because when you, when you start reading something and you start pulling on a thread in the Bible, I'm literally about to preach the Bible to cover to cover, but don't worry. You'll be home before it's too long. You could start pulling on something in Genesis, and then you find it in Revelation. Why? Because the Word of God is true, the Word of God is living, and the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? So what we have here 
in Revelation chapter 22. John saw it. And I'm going to show it to you. It said, and he showed me a pure. The beautiful thing is, is when God gives us this river, there's not going to be any pollution like in the Missouri River. We ain't going to have to worry about eating catfish. We could actually have the good mahi-mahi. <laughs> it's clear as crystal. And it's proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing There's healing in this room. God wants to do something miraculous. That song, that fourth song that y'all wanted to sing, if you want to sing that for altar, that'll be fine. But I'm going to tell you this, seven and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes is the national average for an altar call on a Sunday morning. I wonder if we could take everything that's in our mind and just let it go. And if we can actually get back in to the deep things of God. As it says in Revelation twenty two seventeen, if the music team wants to come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is athirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It's not just water for salvation. It's not just water for your neighbor. And you know what? You might have gotten exactly what you needed from God today. But did your neighbor. See, when we praise and we shout, we shred the atmosphere. And as we shred the atmosphere, we're able to shred all the doubt. And we're able to take everything out and we're able to see from where the river flows because the throne of God will allow itself and make itself available. That's what praise does. That's what worship does. It gets us into the throne room of God. It gets us to the place from where that river will flow. So I wonder right now if all over this congregation as you stand, if you truly desire to find from where that river flows or, or you need to get back to where that river flows. The Bible says come. I'm not regulating anything here today. If you want to pray, you can pray. If you want to go, you can go. But if you want to seek the Lord while He is found, 
Call upon him while he is near. The humble. There's a broken spirit and a contrite heart that my God can't refuse. I wonder if there could just be a roar of prayer as we come and just give God all that we have. This altar is open. If you want what God wants to give you today, come and get it. It's up to you.